work those networks is the best piece of advice I can give to anybody who's looking for a job at CDC. And we love our PCDs. Um, we know they can do the work um, yep. because they've already shown that they can do the work. And so we, we, we like when we see that on CDs. <laughs> Good afternoon and welcome to Jobs with Jody, a podcast produced by NPCA's Global Reentry Program. I'm your host, Jody Hammer. Today's podcast will focus on spotlighting RPCV representatives from workplace affiliate groups or WAGs within two different federal agencies. We'll be talking to individuals from both the CDC as well as HRSA. And our featured guests will share about their own career experiences as well as how their workplace affinity groups or WAGs are organized to assist RPCVs. So I'm really excited to be here and I hope that you are as well. Let's go ahead and get started with our first featured employer, which is CDC, the Center for Disease Control. And we actually are lucky to have two representatives with us from CDC, and I'm going to introduce them briefly, and then we'll just uh, begin chatting. Our first guest is Sandra Wright Fofana, and Sandra is a seasoned professional with extensive experience working within the field of public health. She currently works as the Global Health Specialist in the Office of the Director within CDC's Center for Global Health. I hope I have that right. (laughs) Um, She's an RPCV from Sierra Leone and an active member of the CDC's Workplace Affinity Group, or WAG, which we're spotlighting today. So uh, happy to have you here, Sandra. Let me introduce as well, uh, joining Sandra from CDC is Emily Teachout. Emily is an RPCV from Paraguay, 2011 to 13, and she's a Coverdell Fellow from Emory University, where she got her MPH. She works as a health scientist at CDC and serves in a leadership role on the CDC's RPCV workplace affiliate group. And uh, she'll talk more about that herself. So thank you to both of you for joining us. Thanks so much for having us. We're happy to be here. Wonderful. So um, I would love actually both of you to maybe start by by just allowing each of you to share, you know, introduce yourselves briefly and maybe um, talk a little bit about how your Peace Corps service impacted your career trajectory. Maybe Sandra, would you like to start first? Certainly. Um, I got to the end of college and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So Peace Corps seemed like a radical thing to do. <laughs> and so I did it. I was a Peace Corps teacher. Um, I taught uh, chemistry and maths at an all-girls secondary school, which was kind of interesting. Then um, as I came to the end of my Peace Corps service, I wanted to kind of stay in the global arena. And public health came up as the way, a potential way to do that. So uh-huh. um, I applied for a program that um, was catering to Peace Corps volunteers um, that allowed me to get a scholarship to go to University of Michigan um, School of Public Health. Was um, that the fellows, the, the covered Yes, fellows I don't think it was the fellow programs at the time that I did it, but yes, the precursor <laughs> to that. <laughs> hey, it's all good. That's great. And um Um, After I finished, um, well, as I was finishing uh, school, there was only one place that I wanted to work, and that was CDC. (laughs) And so um, there was a program called the Public Health Advisors and Associates Program, 
uh-huh. and um, I applied for that program was was accepted. So indirectly, Peace Corps did have the um, influence to get me into the CDC. And um, and I've been at the CDC ever since. This is my um, I hate to say it, but it's my 25th year. Wow, of a century. That's awesome. <laughs> With one organization, but you've been in various roles, it, it looks like, yes, right? I've done, I've done a lot of different things in at, at CDC. So that's been the excellent thing about this career is that I get I got gotten to do a lot of different things. I hope to get to do a few more things before I call it a career. Absolutely. And, you know, that's what that's, I think, one of the benefits, right, of a, of a federal agency and a large federal agency. There's so much diversity within it that you theoretically could spend. I mean, you don't hear of a lot of people these days who spend, certainly they're starting out now, who will spend 25 years dedicated to one employer, you know, albeit even in, you know, different roles. So um, that's really something to be proud of. Thank you. Thank you for your service. That's great. And uh, Emily, can you maybe share briefly about your own career, you know, trajectory, how Peace Corps service maybe impacted your, you know, your own career? Yeah, sure. So when I left my undergraduate studies, I did know that I wanted to go into public health. And I and I thought at that point that I wanted to do something in global health. And part of the reason that I joined Peace Corps was to get a better handle on, on what that looks like on the ground. So I I knew enough for my studies in sociology and, you know, the dangers of trying to implement things in other countries before actually experiencing it or understanding what, you know, what health looks like or what global health looks like uh, when you're you're trying to help uh, a culture or uh, people that you um, that that you're not familiar with. So that was part of the reason I joined Peace Corps. And so I was a rural health and sanitation specialist in Paraguay. And when I joined, I thought that my career in public health was going to go in kind of an infectious disease uh, trajectory, that that was what I was interested in. And a lot of my volunteering in undergrad was around HIV. And so I thought that's what, you know, my Peace Corps experience is going to look like. But when I did that uh, community census and started speaking to the community, what I realized was that a lot of the health ailments and, and disease diseases that were affecting the community were actually chronic in nature. Um, so I don't think I knew a single person who didn't have, um, you know, or a single family who wasn't dealing with hypertension or diabetes or what have you. Um, sure. So when I left Peace Corps, I really I had a better idea of what my focus was going to be um, when I uh, went and got my master's in public health. And, and my master's in public health was in global health and public nutrition. And gotcha. uh, I was a Coverdell fellow at Emory. Uh, so I got a scholarship at, for being an RPCV, which is pretty nice. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then from there, I a lot of the opportunities I got in grad school and after grad school were given to me by return Peace Corps volunteers. So my first internship as a as a public health uh, master's in public health student was uh, given to me by uh, a return Peace Corps volunteer. My two first opportunity at CDC, the person who hired me was an RPCV, and my second opportunity, which was pretty cool. Um, and I'm not saying that they gave it to me because I was an RPCV, but I think that that had uh, something to do with it, right? Um, you know, just like knowing the skills and um, the types of abilities that a return Peace Corps volunteer has in terms of problem solving and um, and resiliency, things like that. So. Sure. It's affected me in many ways in my career trajectory. And now I work in chronic disease. So that was kind of a piece of that. 
That's wonderful. Thank you so much. It's always interesting for me to hear, you know, the paths that people take and, and, you know, Peace Corps and how it impacts. And, you know, it's just such a, such a huge influence on so many aspects of our, of our lives. So, you know, I, I would love to hear a little bit more about your current roles. Um, you've, you've covered a little bit, but um, Sandra, for example, in, in your, in your current role, what kind, what does your day-to-day life look like if there is such a thing? Well, um, right now I'm serving as a global health specialist, as you said, I actually lead a team of nine people and we provide administrative and management support to CDC's overseas staff. Oh, wow. We have about 400 positions overseas and that management includes not only the employees, but their family members. So we have a lot on our plate. We are involved with relocations. We are involved with tracking staffing, not the HR, but um, tracking staffing, um, helping in emergencies. Um, last year during COVID, we, we had to help, you know, as Peace Corps evacuated, we also had yeah. staff who evacuated temporarily and we had yeah. to help with things like that. So it's, it's never a boring job because there's always something going on. <laughs> And um, it's it's a fast paced job, and and we 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 try our best to provide the services and support that our overseas staff need in order to do their jobs. Sure, sure. And and Emily, as you I think already kind of alluded to, with you know as the health specialist and working in in the community, right? And and do you work with the community more, or was that more just the prep work from your Peace Corps service? Like, what does your day to day look like? Yeah, um, I, I don't really work in the community any anymore directly. I'm, I'm a health scientist and I work um, on a synthesis translation and applied research team within the division of diabetes. And so my current work is more uh, domestic, uh, although gotcha. I still take a lot of, you know, what I learned from the Peace Corps in terms of how to work with the community in terms of and use that in my day to day. So I'm an implementation research scientist. And and basically what that means is I, you know, my work revolves around trying to figure out how to make something, uh, an implementation uh, program, like an intervention, public health intervention that works really well in high resource settings, or it works really well for one group of individuals, how to make it work for in a lower resource setting or for another group of individuals, which really um, adds to our work in health equity and addressing social determinants of health to ensure that the work we're doing uh, affects not just one population, but really reaches the people who uh, who need it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That is great. And and you have, I think, if I remember correctly, you've worked in various capacities, right, in terms of for CDC, right? You've worked as a contractor. You've worked as a now, most recently, I think, a full-time yeah, staffer, right? I mean, CDC, right? Federal employee. So from your experience, like what, uh, how would you compare the two? Like what, what's the difference? I mean, the contractor versus the other from your own experience. Again, I know you're not HR. This can certainly, you know, depend on the, the, the job title and all of that. But in your own experience, what did you find were, you know, the differences? Yeah, no, I, I do think it differs from team to team and, and where you're working in your role as a contractor um, versus what you're doing as a federal employee. But and my, my experience, it's been 
there, in terms of the technical skills that I've used, uh, my public health technical skills, um, it's been very similar. You know, obviously the yeah. biggest difference is going to be in terms of, you know, contract management and overseeing budgets, things like that, where as, as a contractor, you're not involved in those pieces. Yeah. But uh, what a lot of people don't know about, you know, I think the federal government in general, but the CDC as well, is that a lot of the workforce is made up as, of contractors and fellows as well as federal yep. employees that are all kind of working um, side by side in, in many respects in terms of carrying out the day-to-day -day, uh, research activities or, or programmatic activities. And that kind of speaks to, it, it seems, the, the various ways, right, of entering CDC, of working for them. It's not just apply on USA Jobs for a full you know, full-time, you know, uh, government employee position. There's contractor positions, there's yeah. fellowships, right? I think, didn't you have a, was it a graduate fellowship that brought you in initially? Yeah, I was, I came into the CDC through a, prop, a program at uh, Emory University. It was like a work-study type of internship oh, type of graduate research uh -huh. called Rollins Earn and Learn. Um, and so I started as a student and then moved into a contractor position and then a federal employee right. um, position, which is not uncommon um, yeah. I think for, for some folks at CDC. Sure. No, that's great. Thanks, Emily. You know, and, and many people I know associate, like when they hear CDC, they automatically assume that every person there is, you know, working in, you know, public health, they're working directly in, so they have their MPH, they have, you know, all those kinds of, you know, things, right, that they kind of typecast. But I know, personally, or it's clearly not as much as, as all of you, but um, there's various types of roles, right, within any federal agency, but including this, the CDC. Can you speak to a moment, maybe, maybe Sandra, can you speak for a moment to some of the other kinds of jobs that, you know, you've interacted with in the past or you know of that, that aren't that technical public health specialist type of, um, you know, role that maybe you all qualify for? Certainly. Um, I am one of those people who is not a scientist. Um, I've been an administrator for most of my career at CDC, uh -huh. and um, there are definitely different roads into CDC and different roles in at CDC. On the administrative side, we have people like myself who are global health specialists and work strictly in the management and operations portion of the agency. We have folks who are budget analysts. We have folks who are health communication specialists. We have people who are program analysts and managers and things like that. So it is not just scientific. And I'm sure, Emily, you would agree with me that the administrative side is just as important. A lot of stuff doesn't get done if we don't have the, the, the COAG, cooperative agreements, I should say, the cooperative agreements and the contracts mm -hmm. in place and the HR in place. So it is a big machine as far as administration goes. And if someone is interested in going down that career path, there are definitely opportunities here at CDC for that. Nice. That's wonderful. Um, and then, you know, I, I guess I'm curious, you've already shared a little bit, Emily, on kind of your own path of how you started in that kind of work study type of program, that special program, and then became a contractor and then, you know, the, the employer. I guess, you know, how did you approach your own job search, Sandra, coming in as not the health technical or not technical, but not the health scientist, um, you know, any any tips you'd have for, for RPCVs? And again, this is not advice from any representatives of HR. This is just your own experience. What worked um, kind of for you or how you how you approached it? I'd love to hear um, that. 
Emily talked about a key one, which is all the associate fellowships and programs that happen here for people who are trying to get a foot in the door. Yeah. Um, the public health, uh, I think it's called public health apprentice program now, but the program that I came in was a pipeline for folks who are like me who wanted to go into administrative kind of jobs to, to come into CDC and learn that from, from the ground up. I have spent time working domestically in at health departments and then taking that knowledge and bringing it back to CDC so that it could be used, um, you know, usefully. Stu we have students all the time. Um, there are many contract positions. And I guess the key thing I would say to anybody who's looking to get a foot in the door at CDC is to look at the opportunities and work your networks. If you know anybody nice. at CDC, tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm looking for something. <laughs> and it may be the day where they're looking for a student to come in and help, you know, help with administrative things, or they may be looking for a contractor um, with some scientific experience to help with things. Absolutely. I think that is, it's, it's so important. And I always tell RPCVs, you know, make sure that you really spotlight your Peace Corps experience because most employers really see that as a huge benefit. You know, yes. you've been able to like immerse yourself within a completely foreign environment, learn a new language usually, right? Step in and just, you know, you're, you're the kind of person that to be successful as a Peace Corps volunteer, you have to be able to, you know, fail and learn from it and get up and go and, and, you know what I mean? That like resilience and, and, uh, you know, ability to turn on a dime, right? And and something doesn't work out, you, you go to something else. And obviously that was, you know, indicative of the the RPCV evacuees, right? That were like pulled from their sites with, you know, zero notice and just, wow, my heart went out to them and they've made it work. And we're going to be talking to one of them here um, at the uh, second half of this uh, programming. So I'm excited about that as well. So uh, let's, I, I want to make sure we have time to talk about the WAG, right? The Workplace Affinity Group at CDC, right? Since that's really a central focus of today's uh, podcast. So I want to spend some time talking about what it is and, and how you both have been actively involved in, in various leadership positions, uh, you know, with, with the WAG. So maybe Emily, can you start just, you know, speak briefly about, you know, the CDC Workplace Affinity Group, you know, what it is and you know what what your involvement has been with it yeah um so the workplace affinity um <laughs> we call it the peace Corps work group the pcwg yeah. the cdc pcwg um i'm the membership and communications chair uh and the work group you know we've got we have a lot of members we have over 350 members wow yeah you know I think through some of the data collection we've done, just trying to figure out who's a, a return Peace Corps volunteer at CDC and figuring out how many languages are spoken and the skills that those um, folks have, both, um, you know, the hard skills and, and, you know, cultural skills. So understanding, you know, who's been to which country has, has helped us in many ways at CDC, um, preparing for deployments. And uh, Sandra can probably talk to that, uh, maybe even a little more than, than okay. I can. Um, <laughs> but it's been... We, we work as a resource. Our group is kind of a, a resource, both for, uh, you know, Peace Corps in terms of our relationship. We we benefit from some of the relationship. We provide some skills um, sometimes when there's some coordination, um, you know, and things like training um, or we need a, a we're doing we have a, you know, emergency operation situation on the ground and we need somebody to familiar um familiarize us with the culture and, and how things work. Um, so there have been cases uh, that where we've reached out to the um, Peace Corps in those, those situations. Nice. Um, 
but yeah, a lot of what we do is the coordination and promotion of, um, you know, the skills that our staff as return Peace Corps volunteers um, have and also providing mentorship um, amongst our staff. So we have, you know, more senior RPCV, um, CDC staff mentoring, you know, more junior staff, things like that. Great. That's wonderful. And, you know, the mentorship is so important, like you said. I mean, that is just a key aspect of development within, you know, a, an organization and all of that. So um, that's wonderful. You know, I'm, I'm interested as well in uh, what kind of programming exists to support like RPCV employees and or, you know, prospective employees. I know many of the work groups um, the, the Peace Corps work groups, you know, might even be doing things like um, employer info sessions or, or office hours. USAID has done a lot of office hours where they just have their Peace Corps volunteers that are staff on and RPCVs who are interested in learning about, you know, USAID come on at a certain time and they just can bounce questions. And it's just, it's awesome. It's a great way of, of just really helping, right? Helping the community and helping people learn more about, you know, their organization and all of that. Sandra, can you talk a little bit about that? Are there some kinds of similar programming that's been done at CDC or maybe different programming? Um, I, I am aware, and Emily may want to also contribute to this, but I am aware that we have tried to do outreach um, during last year, during the evacuation of the Peace Corps volunteers, yes. uh, Peace Corps work group participated yep. in a session to uh, kind of talk about opportunities here at CDC and how RPCVs, um, the evacuees could get their foot in the door. And exactly. I know we have done um, various activities like that to try and encourage people to consider CDC as a place to uh, work. That's awesome. How do you promote those kinds of activities? I don't know if this is maybe for Emily or, or Sandra, but um, do you work with Peace Corps to get them out, you know, to, to put them on their events pages so that they can get the word out or how have you spread the word? Do you know? I think it varies from event to event. So sometimes we'll work with the, our local um, Atlanta chapter if it's more of a local event. Yeah. Um, you know, if we're working with Peace Corps, cross collaboration with USAID, others, uh, you know, we, we work through more of the Peace Corps global um, network. Uh, a lot of what we do is, is kind of internal in terms of like mentorship opportunities or, um, you know, when it came to the, the evacuees uh, last year. What we did was, you know, we were receiving a lot of resumes from, um, you know, RPCV evacuees, and we would send them out to uh, our listserv um, and, you know, encourage our members to to reach out to those folks directly, or if anybody wanted to act as a resource in terms of reviewing a resume. That's not something we do all the time or something right. we do formally, um, but but we try to work through our, our own network, and then if it's a bigger event, we'll we'll work with the appropriate channel. I'm sure it was very well received and uh, by all of those who benefited from what you did during the evacuation and this last year during, you know, these crazy COVID times. So um, thank you for, for that. I'm wondering if, is there any time, ever any times that, that you, maybe your, you know, Peace Corps workplace group at CDC collaborates with whether it's, you know, HRSA or that we're going to feature in a moment or, uh, you know, USAID or other groups. Is there ever an opportunity to do joint types of programming? You know, I'm I'm not sure. And, and let's say, right. uh, you have something. To add. I'm not sure um, in of any formal um, collaborations that we've done. 
with other federal agencies outside of these webinars that sometimes we'll do. That's that Peace Corps usually is the kind of the the overarching organizer of that, and then we right. bring with them. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure we would. Uh, be open to to potential collaborations in the future, but I, I'm not aware of any formal collaborations we've done. No problem at all. You know, I think I would love to ask, you know, each of you as we're kind of coming to a close on this, you know, part of, of our uh, podcast, what advice, you know, would you give RPCVs um, from your own experience, you know, getting your job or, you know, working within, you know, a federal agency? What if any, you know, parting tips might you have? For me, um, I, I already said it before, but work the networks and be yep. pers- persistent, be very you persistent. Did. Um, I didn't relate this story, but when I was trying to get into CDC, um, I somehow missed my interview because the interviewer was on one floor and I was on another floor. Oh, and no. so when I tracked her down, I said, okay, I did not know you were here. I've been sitting here at this door that I was told to do. Can you interview me during your lunch period? And I wouldn't leave until she agreed. So, uh, <laughs> so, hey, way to I'm, be proactive. Exactly. And you need to be proactive. You need to be persistent and you need to use those networks, whatever yep. you can, whatever you can use to get your foot in the door. That is what a, what a way to handle a, a difficult situation. That's awesome. Thank you, Sandra. And Emily, any, any, any parting words of advice for our yeah, PCB? Yeah, I, I agree completely with Sandra. I mean, the, the networking thing is so important. Uh, everyone hates that word, like go out and network. Um, but it right. is important to build relationships um, and then maintain them as well, uh, because you never know who you might want to call up on the phone. Um, to add to that advice, I would say, you know, people told me all the time, like, make sure you know how to quantify or like sell your Peace Corps service. And it's, it has helped a lot. A lot of times, you know, if somebody is not a return Peace Corps volunteer and they're looking at your resume, they don't know what to do with that information. Um, so you you need to tell them what you did um, and, and how you did it. Did you build, you know, 150 latrines? You know, did you, um, you build collaborations between, you know, the mun- local municipality and uh, yes. your community? Did you- And the outcomes. Them? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Being able to quantify, you know, what you did and also, you know, qualitatively, like talk about the skills you you learned from that. Was it resiliency? Was it learning how to problem solve difficult situations? Have like a couple of examples in your back pocket of like times that you really pulled out those skills and you had to do something really difficult because we all have them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And Peace Corps generally gives you many of those uh, examples. Right. <laughs> <So> you're rich <laughs> with those examples of adversity and making it work and all of that. You know, and one thing that you said, Emily, is so spot on when you talked about, you know, relationship building because people hate the word networking. I, I oftentimes will use that term instead. It's building relationships. Because networking has this connotation of the slimy, I'm trying to sell myself or getting somebody to buy something from me, me, I'm the product. Like people just hate that word. You're so right. But when you phrase it as, and you think about it, you change your perspective of, you know, networking is just building relationships. It's being interested in other people and sharing about yourself and building your, your, I always call it your like web or web of, um, or your alliance of of people who know about you and you know about them. And, you know, that's all it is. So it doesn't have to be this like slimy, 
you know, yuck concept. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that Peace Corps volunteers, like if you weren't good at it going in, you definitely learned how to be good at it by the time you were leaving, you know, learning how to get to know people and rely on people and, you know, build relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's so true. Well, thank you to both of you. Uh, you know, right now uh, I'm going to just pause for a very quick station break. And when we come back, we will visit with our third guest from HRSA. As a reminder, this is Jobs with Jody, a podcast produced by NPCA's Global Reentry Program, serving RPCVs worldwide. Today, I'm visiting with RPCV professionals from the CDC and HRSA, both federal agencies, speaking about their experience and the R- their RPCV workplace affiliate groups in their agencies. Our third guest, Jason Rush from Health Resources and Services Administration, or HRSA. I never remember the actual name of it. I know HRSA very well, but I can never remember what, what it stands for. So, But uh, another federal agency in the, in the health sector and such. Uh, Jason serves as a public health analyst at um, you know, Health Resources and Service Administration, or I'm going to just call it HRSA from here on out. Uh, he is an RPCV evacuee from Peru, from the Youth Development Program, and he's involved with the WEG, you know, the Workplace Affinity Group. Uh, you know, he's the recruit liaison in the RPCVs at HRSA, I think is what you titled your group. Is that correct? So I just want to welcome you. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jody. Happy to be here. Wonderful. Well, I just want to, before we get started, uh, I want to first really recognize you for as an evacuee, because I know having worked with, I was brought on in my current role with global reentry right when the evacuation happened. And it was in large part initially to help the evacuees transition into, you know, whatever they're looking at next or, you know, deal with the job search and all of that, because, you know, it was such a, such a drastic and very quick right? Evacuation. I don't know if you had much time at all, but most people had, you know, maybe a day, maybe nothing. And, you know, so being pulled out of your country of service with, you know, little, if any notice, um, certainly not an ideal situation. And yet, you know, you really managed to bring it together and made it work. You know, you, it looks like you landed your job, if I'm correct, with CDC within, was it six months of returning or so? I don't know, something like that. That's amazing. So I want to hear, how did you do that? How did you do that? What was your process of, <laughs> of successfully landing this position? Yeah, so I'll say it definitely, well, first, like a thank you to NBCA and all of you, just because for, I can't speak for all evacuees, but at least in my experience, it was super helpful. Just all the resources that were made available when we came back, as far as like webinars were concerned. I know for a while, I feel like every single day I was on some kind of webinar for <laughs> whether it's HHS or USAID or some kind of federal organization or whatever it may be. Uh, resume really? assistance, career counseling was always was a big, huge one, um, as well as you were talking earlier about networking and like the sliminess of that. But like the Peace Corps network generally was just wildly helpful. I think Absolutely. Peace Corps volunteers in general, in my experience, do a good job of taking networking, which can seem as like the slimy, gross thing and make it very relational, very enjoyable. People are just enthusiastic to offer assistance and be a benefit in whatever way. So working with who was our interim country director um, when we got evacuated from Peru he was really helpful in just doing career counseling with us and connecting all of us with other people we could talk to, whether it be for grad school or 
the government or any other job. So definitely was like capitalizing on every resource that I possibly Great. could. <laughs> it was very helpful emailing anybody, even if it wasn't necessarily something I was going to do, just being like, hey, what's your experience? Tell me about this. What's this yep. like? Exploring every option, throwing out as many resumes as possible. And also just, it was beneficial. Like a lot of grad schools and government agencies too opened up a lot in a yep. lot of us being evacuated and like utilizing NCE or coming in. Absolutely. Which was very helpful. Yeah, no, I would definitely say that that was so um, I remember there were a lot of activities and a lot of, you know, Fed agencies, right, including HRSA and CDC and many others really wanted to help and wanted to kind of, you know, help people with their, you know, job search and find something. And people were so open. I felt, you know, I, I felt like a lot of RPCVs that I would talk to, they're like, yeah, but people are busy. They don't want to talk. And I was like, are you kidding Right now in COVID, people don't have any, any like contact with other people. Mm. They're Peace Corps volunteers. This is your family. Like an RPCV calls you or, or gets a touch with you, right? And says, hey, I'd mm. love to hear, wondering if you might have 15, 20 minutes of your time to chat about your own experience and tips you might have for a Peace Corps volunteer like me. People are usually honored by that, right? And it's like, of yeah. course, your family. So, you know, they'll, they'll connect with you on LinkedIn. They'll give you that time of day and, you know, help pave that way. So absolutely. I'm so glad that you did that and you've had a positive experience from it. Mm, that's great. I think it really engenders that kind of mutual benefit. Like I can speak from my experience specifically of like having that experience and having people be so open and enthusiastic about helping mm. has definitely produced that in me of like, anytime I hear from another RPCV, I'm like, definitely let's talk. Like, what do you need help with? What like, I'm not as old. I don't have as much professional experience. I'm like, whatever I can present, whatever I can offer to benefit someone else, I'm more than happy to do that. And yep. so it's a nice, like, uh, I don't know what the opposite of a vicious cycle is, but like a positive cycle of people keep yes. having good experiences and wanting to pass on a good experience to others. It, you know, and it's that pay it forward concept, right? I yeah. mean, you know, you feel like you've benefited from people who've helped you and mm. now you want to converse, right? You want to, in, in, right. as a result, help those that are coming after you. And so it's just this whole, you know, people helping each other and, and growing and, and just, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great, huge family, the Peace Corps mm -hmm. family, right? The RPCV family. So uh, Jason, can you tell me a little bit more about your experience and, and your specific career path and maybe what led you to your current role at HRSA, right? I mean, I don't know if you had, you know, have known about HRSA for a long time, you know, and it was like, oh yes, it's always been, you know, this dream employer, if it was something you never even really knew about, but you learned about it and then, you know, have gotten into it and are doing great. <laughs> yeah, HRSA is an interesting case in that I, I had not heard of HRSA until I was offered an interview at HRSA, actually. Uh -huh. um, and it seems to be a pretty common experience as people don't really know that HRSA exists. Um, yep. I was kind of laughing when you were describing it at first, even you like the acronym, it's a mouthful. It's a lot of <laughs> things. It's kind of hard to remember at times. Yeah. Um, but my path to it was really influenced by Peace Corps. I mean, just path in the federal government in general, it was never, I think going into Peace Corps, I went into Peace Corps not knowing that NC existed. Then when I started learning more about the benefits and I was like, oh, federal employment could be something interesting to look into in the future. Um, and then evacuation happened and it became more of like a present, oh, I should definitely try to capitalize on this um, while I have it. And so I was yep. just applying like a lot of federal agencies opened up, um, HHS specifically opened up kind of a general you could submit to your package, your application package through USA Jobs, like your resume cover letter, uh, document of service, all that. And then they just made that available to HHS operational divisions. Um, and so I applied through that as well as like some other things. And then I found, I was reached out to, HRSA reached out to me through that. And then I gotcha. had my interview with them. And yeah, like I said, I had no knowledge of what HRSA was. I'd never heard of it before that, but yep. really through the interview, I really enjoyed the interview process. Afterwards, they were very, 
open and like really took seriously the aspects of like you picking them as well as I'm picking you. So gave me yeah. contact information of several people in the office, um, two of which were Peace Corps volunteers and talking to them, I found out there are a lot of Peace Corps volunteers at HRSA, which was very interesting. Um, yep. And just like talking to folks like them about their experiences, whether it be as a Peace Corps volunteer or just generally working with her. So really got me intrigued in the work itself, the work environment, the kind of the values of the organization, the people there. Um, and so that really pulled me into choosing her over some other opportunities I had. Wonderful. So you had a choice. Wonderful. Yeah, I was, I was very fortunate. Even better. Well, and it sounds like you did the hard work to make mm-hmm. it happen too, to, to contribute toward that. So um, that's great. You know, many people don't really understand HRSA. And you said, I really didn't know HRSA. I didn't know what it was before I got the interview and such. Can you like, can you just briefly, I'm not, I'm not asking for like an official stance from, you know, the organization, but mm-hmm. what is HRSA and what's their mission? Like, can you enlighten people a bit? Yeah. Yeah. So I think kind of HRSA's low profile is a product of the work that it does. Um, so the main gist of it is it, it's, we offer a lot of grants for different health focused um, issues and programs and development, but specifically the mission is essentially to improve uh, health equity and health resource availability in whether it's geographically isolated, economically underprivileged, uh, medically underserved communities. So pretty much the communities that are not spoken about are the ones we aim to serve with our grant programs. So by that nature, most people just aren't really hearing about it. Um, my office specifically is the Office of Rural Health Policy. So everything we do is in HRSA designated rural communities, which by the HRSA definition isn't necessarily, folks think rural, they think of farms. It's obviously that is part of it, but it's more just like the population density. So small communities, um, whether it be developing like health networks or offering grants to expand kind of the area that they can offer resources in, improving quality, healthcare, workforce trainings, anything related to that to improve health access, improvement, um, availability, equity um, in these communities. Great. Wonderful. Thank you so much. That that definitely helps, uh, certainly helps me understand it better as well. <laughs> So it, it looks like, um, from, from my research, it looks like you actually went through a pretty big transition, right? From, I mean, your past experience, you know, in looking at your LinkedIn profile, which is nicely done. Um, you, you look like, you know, your experience was youth development, right? That sector. Mm-hmm. And that was true in your, in your Peace Corps service. Um, and then even before, I think you were something like a director at a camp and other things that were very youth development focused, right? Can you share a little more about that and and how how you played that into, I guess, you know, th- those transferable skills from that mm-hmm. to acquire your current job, which would seemingly have nothing to do with youth development per se, or at least specifically? That would be great. Yeah, that's a good question because it's definitely not terribly intuitive (laughs) when you look at it. Um, So my baseline, my education, I graduated with a degree in health sciences, which at my university at the time did not have a public health program. So that was essentially, um, I was pre-med, so I was a pre-professional. So it focused kind of all the prerequisite classes of the hard science classes of medical prerequisites were a part of the major, as well as kind of the humanistic aspects of medicine. So like clinical ethics, medical ethics, as well as public health principles and practices, kind of surveys of the American healthcare system, comparing that to systems abroad. Um, so my baseline is in kind of like health policy, public health. Um, but undergrad, I, I really did a lot of, just kind of exploring, doing everything. I've always enjoyed working with kids and mentorship programs. That was a lot of what uh-huh. I did. 
um, I worked at an after school program and I went to the University of Missouri in Columbia, Missouri, um, which is kind of a weird rural connection there. I worked at rural schools. Um, so that was kind of an interesting full circle experience. But like you said, worked at summer camps as well. Um, got some experience working abroad doing that. Worked at summer camp in Europe for two years, the second yep. year of which I was a camp director. Um, and so, like you said, like the big part of that in general, getting to this job and jobs in general, my experience has just been finding ways to just doing what interests me, but then with a mindset of how can this apply to something else? So yes, yep. I'm working at a summer camp, but in those, like I worked abroad, so that was gaining uh, experience abroad, which kind of helped with the Peace Corps thing. Um, within that, working as a director was a lot of organizational mm -hmm. skills, managing other people, right. um, being able to take a big picture view of what you're doing, of uh, creating long-term plans, uh, as well as Peace Corps service. Although I was a youth development volunteer, there is a lot of crossover in the health and youth development um, yep, sectors absolutely. in Florida, at least. Yeah. So although I was working with youths kind of before getting evacuated, the plan was we were setting up, there's a program in Paso Adelante in Peru. It's kind of like yeah. a sex education program as well as yep. um, training students to be almost like community health workers and like training each other and training their families in these kind of topics. Right. So always taking that kind of focus of how can this fit my base on interest, but also potentially oh. open up doors in the future and be transferred to something else. That is great. And that's such a such a prime example of how you do that, right? Mm -hmm. Too many people, I think, feel maybe pigeonholed. Well, my experience is all in health, or not health, my experience is all in, in your case, you know, youth development and all of that. So I don't think I'm even going to apply for that job at HRSA because I don't have any of XYZ experience, right? But they, mm -hmm. they fail to realize that so many of their transferable skills are absolutely right, are absolutely mm -hmm. relative. And, and, you know, I think that comes down to also sometimes um, when you were writing your resume, hopefully mm -hmm. in your bullets, you were able to work in more health related types of bullets, like you said, with this yeah. sex education, you know, um, curriculum or working with them and, you know, like getting it more health, because so much of what you do is transferable to any other sector, right? Yeah. The skills that you have. And, and many times I know, you know, many employers say, hey, I don't need the technical, like, I don't need experience in this sector. I need the kinds of skills, life skills, right? Communication skills, team building, problem solving, resilience, those kinds of things, because I can teach the tech. Right. I can't teach those as, as easily. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, yeah, that's definitely the thing of, there's the idea of like pigeonholing through your experiences, but also just pigeon, like mentally pigeonholing yourself. Um, because from, from one aspect, too, of looking at organizations like CDC or HRSA, which on the surface are sensibly health-focused, I mean, are factually health-focused organizations. Um, right. But like you all mentioned before, like CDC has a lot of other functions beyond just the specifically like health scientists or anything like that. There's administrative aspects. Like HRSA, we have our public health analysts. We also have management analysts who handle the HR work and the administrative work. Um, and even public health analysts, to an extent, handle a lot of administrative duties, whether it's of the administration of grant programs. So right. even if you don't necessarily have the concrete, you know, health science, public health experience, like HRSA has plenty of people who don't have NPHs or even a right. health science background like I do. Um, I can speak of a few Peace Corps volunteers as someone who has like a PhD in literature. Um, one of the women who's on our exec group for our ERG, hers is in, she's a master's in health, like education policy, but just right. being able to come in here and how can you take those skills and apply them to this kind of a setting? And you can, like we said, like you can learn the specific county public yep. health stuff, especially working with our grantees, like you're hearing about their experience, you can learn about public health issues pretty quickly Absolutely. in your own time. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, that's the perfect lead in 
to the affinity group because you mentioned the executive committee. I think you're talking about the RPCVs at HERSA, right? That group. Yeah. Um, I'd love to to hear a little more from you on how is that workplace affinity group or affiliate uh, affiliate group? How is it structured, and what are the goals of the organization? Yeah. So for us, we have um, an executive board that's we have two presidents, two co-presidents, a secretary, a okay. recruit liaison, who I am, and then a third goal liaison and a support liaison. Oh, um, nice. So generally speaking, the ERG is um, it's called our our RPCVs at HERSA, but technically yep. it's open to anyone who has worked or is interested in working abroad, whether it be with Peace Corps or anything else. Um, so it is, it is open to non-RPCV employees. Yes, it is. That's it great. is. As far as I know, it is only Peace Corps volunteers, but it is open to anyone. Yep. Um, but generally, it's, so it's a forum for Peace Corps volunteers yep. or folks who have that kind of international work experience to come and share their experiences, talk to each other about how that was. Kind of like, you know, like it's a very specific kind of experience. So on the most basic level, just have other people to relate to and talk to and connect with. Um, but our different committees do different things. So for me, with the Recruit Liaison, naturally, um, it's for recruiting activities. So last year with the Recruit Liaison who preceded me, they did a lot with the evacuation of just organizing webinars and education opportunities for evacuees or folks at NCE and teaching them or kind of getting the word about, about HRSA, the hiring. Um, also just like the general, like, as RPCVs, we like to assist each other. So just generally speaking, how can you use your NCE um, or find something for yourself, especially as an evacuee? And now we're kind of moving towards a lot more of educating about NCE specifically, but also um, kind of internally focused development. Because a lot of us came on as, as evacuees or so on the younger end, like I'm 24, so I'm new to this. Um, there yeah. are a lot of us in the similar position as me. So we're getting ready myself and the support liaison who typically they run activities more like the social aspects of social sports, like coffee chats in times where before COVID they would do like get a coffee shop. All the RPCs would go meet up at that coffee shop and have a thing. Yeah. Um, but now we're working together to plan kind of a career counseling kind of activity. So I work pretty closely with our HR office. So I'm getting someone, the person I work with them, who's going to come and just talk about, you know, like the NCE, the GS ladder that we get put on as Peace Corps volunteers yep kind of what the GS system is, what the scale is, how the promotions work, how that whole HR perspective works, as well as some of the more veteran RPCVs um, who've been in the federal government a bit longer to talk about their experience of how sure. they navigated the federal environment, how to like, just like kind of the, some of the advice we've had before about how to work your network, how the federal system works. Maybe if you want to go to different agencies, just kind of help us feel more acclimated and comfortable with the process. So supporting that way. Um, and then our third goal liaison, third goal committee like third goal, bring it back home. So we have an annual activity called Around the World where the Peace Corps volunteers will get together. Nice. Typically in the Hearst office, we have a big atrium, so they'll set up tables and they'll have food and possibly like, you know, pictures of their service, their country of service. So right. other RPCs can learn about it as well as just the general HRSA community. Um, we also share our office with a few other agencies. So like Union Health Services in our um, building, the Bureau of Primary Health Care is there as well. So kind of anyone in these, this umbrella can come see these, learn about our countries, learn about different traditions and foods and things like that. Um, yeah. So bring service home in that kind of way. Oh, that's great. You know, you would make a great Peace Corps recruiter as well, because in <laughs> Peace Corps, one of the things that they do and, and used to do, obviously, pre-COVID, um, but hopefully they'll get back to that, is having that around the world. And they mm -hmm. open it up to prospective volunteers who are interested in Peace Corps, learning about Peace Corps. And they come and they just, you know, can go around and learn about mm -hmm. all these different countries and what these people did in their service. And I always found it one of the most effective and most powerful 
recruitment tools because mm-hmm. people would usually walk away going, this is so cool. I want more of this, you know? Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Thank you for, for sharing with that. You know, you mentioned um, that many RPCVs came in during, you know, this last year. Do you have any idea how many RPCVs came, came in? I, and I'm not, not looking for like an ac- any kind of accuracy, but from if you've heard at all, um, how many? Because uh, it, it sounds like there were a lot that, that really came in and that's great. Yeah. Oh, this is dangerous. I always hate to throw numbers out. I, off the top of my you head, I want to say around, yeah, I want to say around like high teens, low 20s. Yeah, I was going like, to say more than 10, more than 20, more. Yeah. yeah. Something so like a lot great. of folks have come in. Yeah. So it, it's been a big year. I mean, just federal government as well in general. Like I know a lot of crew volunteers and just volunteers in general have ended up at EPA, a lot of that yeah. as well. Um, sure. Sure. Yeah, HRSA, HRSA really does value our PCV. Yeah. We have like, I think it's demonstrated through as the recruiting liaison, like we have a very strong relationship with our HR office. Um, and it's one of the situations they're really down of whatever ideas we have, whatever we would like to do, they're fully behind it to support it. Um, like yeah. this possible kind of workshop I mentioned earlier, at the moment I mentioned it, my HR contact was fully on board, ready to do whatever he could do assist with it. Um, a lot of the supervisors will request of the RPCVs in their offices when there's a new opening. So to say, we're having an opening, just give it to all the RPCVs you know of, and here's my email address, contact us. Yeah. So um, that's also another reason to work that network and make sure you're making those connections because a lot of openings will come in that way of not be posted officially, but yep. just a supervisor will say, hey, there's an opening, someone just left, they're going to maternity leave, whatever, yep. pass it around to your network and throw people my way. And so if you know someone who knows someone, that's a great way to get it. Right. Right. And, and having NCE really helps with that because you don't yeah. have to necessarily go through that formalized USAID process of, you know, of that can make things a lot uh, longer. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, a, actually a question from uh, one of our audience members, Sarah, who's asking, what is the best way to reach the WAGs? Like, or what's the, what's the best way to reach out? How do RPCVs mm-hmm. connect with you, your WAG, um, if they'd want to connect with you? Is I, can you share maybe an email address or? Yeah. Okay, here it is. Yeah. RPCVS yep. at hersa.gov. So we'll we'll yeah. share that then with folks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that one, anyone can reach we'll... out to it whenever, with any questions you've got, and we'll, wonderful. someone from us, either from the exec will respond to it, or we can pass it on to our greater Peace Corps network within HRSA. And get yeah, I really appreciate that. And uh, we do have another question from Gregor, and he is asking... I'm starting a new federal agency job, first federal Mm -hmm. for me. Any advice on jumping into the unique world of working in the Fed system? Mm -hmm. My past work has been more freeform, and I expect that will change. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'll say, first of all, congratulations on jumping in. Um, Yes. Yeah, some aspects is kind of hard just because it can vary so differently, even within HRSA, within different divisions, different offices, the work itself can vary. Um, The baseline I can say is get ready for acronyms. There's just so many of them. They just, people really, yeah, it's, there's so many. um, And I guess this advice kind of will need to be adjusted depending on the specific culture of your organization. But I can say um, a big thing for me was just not being afraid to ask. And like, if you're in a meeting and someone's throwing out, because that's a big thing too. Folks have been in the system for a bit. They just kind of forget that not everyone knows all these acronyms. So if you're in a meeting, just jump in real quick and say, hey, could you, you know, spell that out for me. And, I, and in my experience, even outside of person, any other yeah. um, conversations or calls I've been on, people are more than ready to just, they're kind of like, oh, my bad, I forget sometimes. Right. They'll spell it out. Um, so yeah, with that specifically, or just in general, like take your first year and like leverage. I feel like people have a lot of sympathy for coming into the federal system. If you don't have yeah. before. So really just taking advantage of that first year and just ask whatever questions you have, just because there are so many idiosyncrasies of it. 
that just yep. aren't really applicable outside of the federal government that you just, if you don't ask it now, it might not ever become super obvious. And then you don't want to be two years down the line asking this basic question that you would have wished you had asked when you right. first got there and had that sympathy, you know? Right. And, you know, I, I recommend that people also ask either their department or HR, do you have a listing of the many acronyms? Because oftentimes they do have a compilation and that way you can have your little cheat sheet and you're in those meetings and they throw out and you're like, oh, and you're not having to go, excuse me, excuse me, (laughs) frequently, which they understand. It's not a bad thing if you have to do that, but, um, but yeah, so that, that's really good uh, advice, Jason. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And, and I guess I would love to just ask in parting, if you have any uh, tips or advice, any final tips or words of advice for RPCVs who maybe are considering or trying to get into, you know, federal government? Um, I'd say the biggest thing is, is just be resilient with it. Um, and really don't let the process break you down just because I mean, working for jobs in general, especially right now is just not enjoyable. Typically it's not fun. Um, it can be very frustrating, especially in aspects of, um, I know it's a big thing for me, friends of mine and folks we have talked to, um, as the recruit liaison this past year of just setting expectations of with the government specifically, but also just kind of the general job search. Like you might have an interview, you might not hear anything back. You might send in an application. You might not hear anything back. Don't let no responses get you down. Don't let anything like that really break your resolve. It's just, it's going to kind of go how it goes. The best you can do is just keep putting yourself out there and not, you know, try your best. I think this is a big lesson of Peace Corps in general too, but just try not to get jaded with anything. Cause once you start getting jaded, that's just, that's going to be detrimental to you in the long run as well. So the process can be frustrating. Um, it can also be weirdly inspirational because sometimes you won't hear anything and you think, oh, these people forgot about me. And the next thing you know, they just pop out of nowhere a month later and offer you a job. Um, right. So really just, yeah, just got to keep on chugging and it's, it might be bad, but it'll be bad until it's good. And then once it's good, it's great. Lean on your support system, lean on the Peace Corps network if you can, um, build those relationships, just, just take it for what it is. Be patient and be loving with yourself, <laughs> like in, in life in general. <laughs> Very good and heartfelt advice. Thank you, Jason. I think that's a perfect way to to wrap it up here. Uh, I want to thank you, you know, all three of our guests, you, Jason from HRSA, as well as Sandra and Emily from CDC, and you, the audience, for listening in. Uh, you can find this and all of our other Jobs with Jody podcasts on our Spotify uh, playlist or you know Apple Podcast or many other areas that you might get your your podcast. And lastly, if you do have any ideas or suggestions for a topic for a future podcast, please let us know by emailing careers at peacecorpconnect.org subject line podcast topic. We do this podcast for you. We want to obviously make sure that the topics are of interest to you. So put any and all topics into an email and shoot it to us and let's see if we can't uh, can't uh, make it happen for you. We look forward to hearing from you and thank you everyone and make it a great day. Cheers.